Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Green bubble shaming. It's a thing. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. Listeners of a certain age will remember these ads from Apple. Hello, I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. Whoa, whoa, what happened to you, PC? Kids happened. They featured actor Justin Long as the hip Mac computer personified in conversation with a noticeably less cool John Hodgman playing a PC. The first ad in Apple's Get a Mac campaign came out in 2006, 17 years and plenty of new tech releases later. It seems the stereotypes in those ads never really went away. Take the recent TikTok trend, he's a 10, but... He's a 10, but he has an Android phone. What's his new rating? One. Android, I can't do. Brian Chen, the personal tech columnist for the New York Times, has been writing about green bubble shaming, which has pitted iPhone users against their Android-using friends and family. For more than a decade, uh, smartphone users have confronted what's known as the blue bubble versus green bubble disparity. Uh, When iPhone users text other iPhone users... Their messages appear as a blue bubble. When iPhone users text Android users, the messages appear green. And from there, everything gets worse. Images and videos look horrible. All sorts of things break. And over the years, this has created tension between iPhone and Android users. It's led to this deeper divide that's sociological in many ways. And that's where we are today. Yeah. Well, as you say, you know, this issue has been around for a long time. Why is that? Um, So this issue predates the iPhone. So even before the iPhone existed, the wireless carriers all around the world, they agreed to use a text messaging standard called SMS. And then later in the early 2000s, they adopted MMS, which stands for Multimedia Messaging Services. And that added the, the ability to send images inside text messages. So the photos, frankly, they always looked bad when you were texting photos because uh, they were pixelated and compressed on purpose to avoid overloading the cellular networks. So Apple, about a dozen years ago, they introduced iMessage, which enabled iPhone users to send high-resolution photos and videos to each other. 
Um, and of course, it didn't work with Android phones. So when an iPhone user texted an Android user, the bubble turned green and you didn't get those high resolution images. You got these crummy looking images because it reverted to SMS and MMS. Later down the road, Google and others adopted RCS, which stands for Rich Communication Services, a new text messaging standard that made images and videos look good inside text for everyone who's not using an iPhone. So all the green bubbles got better looking images and videos. Among themselves. Among themselves, right. But Apple refused to play ball. Apple refused to adopt that standard. The news is that Apple is going to adopt RCS next year and solve some of these problems between between green bubbles and blue bubbles. Yeah, tell me more about that plan. What will this look like for people who use the iPhone and who interact with people on Androids? So it's all pretty vague for now. Apple just put out this statement that still has a lot of unknowns. But the most important thing is that the photos and videos are going to be high resolution, just like on iPhones between the blue bubbles. Uh, Green bubbles are going to remain when you're texting an Android user from an iPhone. But uh, again, those images are going to look better. There's going to be some other features like read receipts um, and the ability to share your location. So you're going to have those, but you're not going to have encryption yet. They say that's something in the works. So you're going to be lacking a major security feature. You're not going to have some of these fun stickers that people use to express themselves inside, inside iMessages. You're not going to have animations like the confetti for people's birthdays, things like that. So there's still going to be like a technological disparity or divide between the two platforms. But the main thing that people really cared about was images and videos, and and that's going to be greatly improved. So if they're sort of taking this, um, what one might call a half measure, um, what is the backstory? I mean, was this a choice that they made on their own, or were they under a lot of pressure to make change? So Apple was definitely under pressure from the European Commission. They were investigating Apple and others into this practice called gatekeeping, which is when you use your technology to cripple other people's technology. So the accusation or the allegation was that, you know, in theory, Apple's iMessage was a gatekeeping platform because the way that they texted other people outside of the Apple universe ruined the texting experience for anybody who didn't have an iPhone. Apple objected to this idea, of course, but I think to get ahead of the possibility of regulation, they said that they were gonna play ball. We'll be right back with more from Brian Chen of The New York Times. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Brian Chen of The New York Times. Let's talk more about the social piece of this. Uh, This is something that um, a lot of us are familiar with, but it also um, can create stigma for young people. I'm thinking of middle schoolers and high schoolers. How do they experience green bubble shaming? Kids in school are harmed the most by this divide, I think definitely more than adults. They're getting their first smartphones, and a lot of them are getting iPhones. If you have an Android, you're basically in the out group. If, you're, if you have the iPhone, you're basically in the in group. So you have these nice group chats that are a blue bubble. They could be relabeled into something like study sesh, you know, something fun like that. The kids could be discussing homework. They could be making plans to get together, go to the mall things like that. They don't want the androids to ruin their blue bubble, so they leave them out of the conversation. And, you know, if if kids are trying to study together and the android users are not part of this conversation to, you know, exchange ideas about a project and so on, that's pretty harmful to their ability to study, but just overall pretty harmful to their well-being. Like, they could be ashamed over something as silly as a phone. 
it could it could even be the only phone that their parents could afford and that's because there are so many different manufacturers making Android phones and some of them cost as little as a hundred bucks. It's culminated to this point where people are calling it a form of cyberbullying. When you're shaming kids for the phone that they are using and you're leaving them out of activities and homework, it's, it's, it's a form of bullying. And I know this also manifests in the dating world. You've been writing about this. Right, right. So, um, the issue with Android phones being cheaper, potentially, is that it, it did create a perception that anybody who has an Android phone, including adults, must not make very much money. And this is a stereotype that, you know, it's, it's, it's tied to some truth. Like, you know, like I was saying was that Android phones can be as, as cheap as 100 bucks, but the best-selling Android phones in America tend to be Samsung phones, the Samsung Galaxy phones, and those cost between... 800 to $1,100, which is just about the same as an iPhone. So um, that is all to say that Android phones have little to do with your budget, your, your income, that is. But nonetheless, it created this perception among people inside the dating apps that when you're using a dating app, you're, you're obviously messaging inside that app for a while. And then when you agree to go on a date, you move outside the app and then you go into your text messaging service. If that bubble turns green, there's this there's this uh, this meme on social media where they call that a red flag, like, oh, this person has a green bubble. What what's his deal? You know, does he not have his stuff together? Does he not have very much money? And and again, it's it's born from a stereotype, but it's all created. It's attached to this stigma of the green bubble that you know is born from this tension that's been between the iPhone users and the Android users, mostly because it's been so frustrating to text message each other between the platforms. I am on an iPhone, um, but I, I was just thinking about the subconscious piece of this. Like, do I make judgments subconsciously? And actually prepping for this segment got me really thinking about that. I mean, I, I think it definitely is a subconscious thing. And as I talk to people about their experiences, you know, I, I realized that, you know, I'm part of this problem too, and I'm going to do my part, you know, which is what I'm encouraging everybody to do in, in this column is to, to do your part in setting a good example for the kids, you know, like uh, tell them not to shame other people about the phones that they use. It's just a piece of technology. Um, and also find workarounds when compatibility is not great between devices. Uh, I think we're all familiar with apps like WhatsApp. The solutions have been in front of us for many, many years, but many of us just, we, we cave to using the defaults because that's the easiest thing to do. It's the path of least resistance, but relationships take effort. That was Brian Chen at the New York Times. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Khreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.